Well, good morning again. We're in our intervention sermon series, and uh, we're going to be talking about storms today. Here in Houston, we know a thing or two about storms, don't we? I've been through some storms here. There was one that I vividly remember, not because of all the rain that fell, but uh, just how fantastic it was. It was was a lightning storm. And, oh my gosh, it probably was over 20 years ago. I remember um, with my family sitting upstairs in our game room because there's this big window that we were able to look out and watch this fantastic lightning storm. There would be lightning bolts, one after another, and they would divide. I've never seen them divide like this, where it was like an upside-down tree, just this this huge canopy of of splits and and the lightning bolts, one after another. And we just sat up there for minutes watching this fantastic display. I mean, it was like the the most... um, electrifying uh, firework, yeah, sorry, uh, firework display you've ever seen. And um, storms can be quite um, exciting when you are watching them through the protection or under the protection of your own home. When you are not in the protection of your own home, it could be a different story. It would be rather terrifying. Today we're going to read a story about a terrifying storm. It's in the, the, the Gospel of Mark. So if you brought your Bible, open it up to Mark chapter 4. If you did not bring a Bible, you can find one under the seats in front of you, right in front of you or to the side, um, and turn to page 994 if you're using one of our, our church Bibles starting in verse 35. That day when evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him and a furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? Now, put your finger right there. Don't lose your place. Let's talk about the storm for a moment. This is not your run-of-the-mill storm. Mark uses intentional language in, in... tells this story to his original audience with his original language in an intentional way to reveal that this this is hurricane force storm. He what what he actually says is it is a a mega windstorm of wind. So he uses the word wind twice, a mega windstorm of wind. The the Sea of Galilee is well below sea level. It's surrounded by very high hills and there's valleys that act as wind tunnels. So the wind moves across the land and through the mountains and through these wind tunnels and they can create violent storms um, rather quickly 
on the Sea of Galilee where they were in this boat. And uh, this storm, as we read the story, this storm has these seasoned fishermen who were quite used to being on the Sea of Galilee with storms, uh, these fishermen shaking in their fisher boots. Everyone is shaking, all except for Jesus, who is asleep on a pillow in the stern of the boat. And the disciples are kind of flabbergasted with this. They woke Jesus up. Don't you care if we perish? Because they really did think that they were going to perish. Now, that storm came up rather quickly, and we know that that can happen in life. Just like that. One minute, things are looking great. And actually, we can be rather confident with how well things are going, but it doesn't take much, does it? It doesn't take but a phone call to turn things around. It doesn't take but a phone call from a doctor saying, things don't look good. It doesn't take but a phone call from your brother saying, mom's not going to make it. It, it doesn't take but someone falling asleep at the wheel. It doesn't take much. It doesn't take but the person that you were expecting to spend the rest of your life with saying, I've been living a lie all these years. It doesn't take much to create a very violent storm. As one commentator put it, one moment all is well, and then in a flash, all is hell. We go through some storms. So what, when that happens, um, we can ask some, some very serious questions of God in our hearts. Have you ever asked questions like these? God, don't you care? God, don't you see me here? Doesn't it bother you, God, that I'm, I'm going through this? Questions like this. Why don't you listen and answer? Have you ever cried out one of those questions in your heart? I've, I've cried out those questions before. See, we, we want to know more than just, is God real? We want to know that God is real in our life, right? God is active in our life. So how does this story end? Let's pick up in verse 39. So Jesus got up. He rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified, and they asked each other, Who is this? Who is this? Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. It's a great story, and if you have grown up in church, you're familiar with it. Let's talk about what that story is not about, and then let's talk about what it is about. That story is not about Jesus providing immediate relief to any storm that you are in uh, once you just cry out his name. This immediate removal of the storm. That is not what the story is about. This quick turnaround that you know will happen anytime that 
you're overcome with fear. That's not what the story is about. Now, we might wish that's what the story is about, that we know that there is going to be that quick turnaround, that every time that all of the, the fear and the chaos will just slip away and vanish so quickly and easily. That's not what the story is about. So what is it about? Well, it's actually about something much better. This story is about who Jesus is. Who Jesus is. So let's talk about a few things that this story reveals about Jesus. Um, the, The disciples, they are just getting to know who Jesus is, by the way. If you read through the Gospel of Mark, right before this story, the only way that the disciples in Scripture are responding or call Jesus is by that second personal pronoun, you. That's it, up until this point in Mark's Gospel. They're still learning who Jesus is. Um, If you look at verse 38, the disciples do call Jesus something other than you, what do they call Jesus in verse 38? Well, they call him teacher. They're learning a little more about who Jesus is. And they've seen him do some neat stuff, some powerful stuff. He's casted out demons. He has healed the sick. They're beginning to know who Jesus is. But in this story, if you're one of the disciples, it looks like Jesus has kind of fallen asleep. On the job. Um, so they complain, are you going to do something about this? And I really do believe that they expected Jesus to do something about it. And they kind of wake him up and there's, it seems like there's some expectation. Aren't you gonna, don't you care? Aren't you going to do something about this? Because they've seen him do some things to indicate some power. But what is clear is that the disciples were not prepared. They weren't expecting what happened next. Because they are completely floored. What Jesus did caught them by surprise. In verse 41, after Jesus just body slams this storm and puts an end to it, it says the disciples terrified. They were terrified. They asked each other, who who is is this guy? Who is this guy? So we're going to look at three things that this story says about Jesus. One, the way that Mark tells this story, he's making this pretty simple point that it's really, really important about Jesus. And uh, it's this. Jesus is really, really powerful. You write that down. Jesus is really, really powerful. Seems like a simple point. It's a really important point about this story. In fact, the power that he displays is none like had been performed by others um, in the past. I mean, the disciples had seen Jesus do some remarkable things. They knew of other people who had done remarkable things, like Elijah and Elisha, both you know, before Jesus started bringing people back from the dead. 
Elijah and Elisha, they did the same thing. Um, But they hadn't seen anything like this. So this terrifying storm was around them, and for the disciples it was terrifying in, in maybe even a deeper way than we can appreciate because in ancient times the sea represented the forces of evil. I mean, it was just where evil dwelled, they believed, was in the sea. And so when a storm came over the sea, it was, it was like the forces of evil bringing the storm and the disciples in it. They're thinking that they are going to perish and so what they are perceiving in the storm is that the forces of evil are trying to destroy the disciples. Not just this, the elements, the wind and the rain, but the forces of evil trying to put an end to them. And, and Jesus, like I said, he just completely body slams the storm, takes it down. Uh, in Mark, in Mark uh, chapter 4, verse 39, um, Mark's language, look at it. If you got your Bible open, it says that Jesus rebukes the storm. You don't rebuke the just the natural elements. He rebuked it. It was it was, and from that there was a, a mega calm, just like there was a mega storm. Everything was completely still after that. Immediately, now think about the wind dying. That's one thing. Well, the waves were going too, and whenever waves start going, it takes a little while for waves to calm down, doesn't it? They, they, they stay turbulent for a while, even after the wind is, is calm. But, but, but here, it's different. Jesus speaks. Be still in the waves. They immediately are still. The disciples had not seen anything like that. This complete smackdown of evil. Now, this sermon series is called Intervention. It's about how God intervenes in our lives. What's the intervention here? Jesus does intervene by calming the storm, but there's there's a a greater divine intervention here. And we can count on God doing this in our life when we are going through storms, and it's this. God's intervention in our life. God intervenes to rescue us from having a view of Jesus that is small, short-sighted, managed, tame, and unimpressive. God wants us to see Jesus for who He really is. And He shows us that through a storm. Now, for many people, that small view of Jesus, that unimpressive view of Jesus, that is exactly what they have. They, They think, well, Jesus was a good teacher. I mean, the disciples called Him teacher. He was a good teacher. He taught some good things. Or someone may think, well, he was kind of a meek and mild man, and he teaches us to be meek and mild, and I'm not too interested in being meek and mild. And Jesus is about love and lambs and stuff, and they don't really get it. They don't get who Jesus is. Those images of Jesus, for many people, aren't big enough to make them want to trust him, much less give their lives to him. God says, I'm going to give you an image of Jesus that will blow you away. (laughs) You look at the images that Scripture gives of Jesus, and and one of those images, one of those pictures is he is the Lion of Judah. The Lion of Judah. I remember one time being at the zoo, and we were 
was walking down the path, and from off in this distance, we heard this, this kind of this low rumble. We could tell it was from very far away, and yet it, you could feel it in your gut, this low rumble. What, what is that? What, it just kind of penetrated you. We walked closer and closer. It got louder and louder. What, what is this? So we walk up. We see what it is. It's, we walk by the lions. And there was a male lion. And he was trying to impress this female lion. And he was rubbing up against her. Um, I've never seen anything like at the zoo. But doing what lions do in the wilderness. And he's trying to impress this female lion. Rubbing up against her. And he's letting out this, this, this sound that was traveling all the way across the zoo. And let me, let me try to give you a picture of what the lion was doing. Look really close. You know, I wish we had a camera. You could zoom in on my face. This is what the lion was doing. Can you see that? I mean, he was just barely opening his mouth. And out comes this rumble that penetrated us halfway across the zoo. And I thought at that moment, what if that lion were to just open wide its mouth and let out the loudest roar he could? I tell you what would happen. Every animal, every person in that zoo would cower. And Jesus is the lion of Judah. When Jesus opens up his mouth and roars and rebukes the storm, this is what happens. The the wind stops immediately and the waves stop immediately and they obey and everyone around is terrified, just like the disciples. We're terrified by the Lion of Judah roaring. That's the image that the Bible gives us of Jesus. And, you know, I, I know you. You're like me. You look at the story and you think, oh, if we were there in that boat, we would not have been like the disciples. We'd be like, yeah, that's my Jesus. High five, Jesus, after he calms the storm. So that's me. High five. You're, that's my Jesus. But that is completely not it, because when Jesus, sorry, when Jesus, when Jesus roars like that, that is, it's not high five time. It's time to get on your knees and say, Jesus, that is completely wrong. You're not my Jesus. It's the other way. I am completely yours. I belong to you. Now, one of the most important lessons we learn from this story is where to put our faith. Because we, every day we're putting our faith in something, in small routine ways. You come in here this morning, and you put your faith to some degree in the chair that you sat in. You, you probably, you, you know, you, you probably didn't ease into, you just sat down because it's a chair, if we replaced all of these chairs with paper mache lookalikes, I promise you it doesn't matter how much faith you were putting in that chair, once you sat down, you would have fallen to the ground. It was very important where we put our faith because the truth is it's not the most important thing is not how strong your faith is. The most important thing is how strong is the object of your faith. And so the same is true with Jesus. Really important point. It is not the strength of your faith 
that saves you. It is the strength of Jesus that does. Biblical faith, I've heard it said, always depends on the object. Always depends on Jesus. I've heard it put like this, you're slipping down and over a cliff, there is a strong and sturdy branch that you can reach out and grab onto you. You don't have to have much faith in that branch. If you grab onto it, it will save you. It, I don't know if it's going to. You reach out and grab onto it, that branch will save you. That is much better than having all the faith in the world and just a little twig and holding on to that with all of your might. That twig will not. So some people would say, ah, so I don't have to have a strong faith in Jesus for, me to, for, for him to save me? Well, that's right. Great, then I can just coast in life? Problem with that. There's a problem with that. Because we are always going to put our faith in something. And if we start putting our faith in the wrong place when we're falling over the cliff, if our faith is in the wrong place, we may foolishly reach out and grab on that little twig and hope it to save us instead of clinging to that really big, strong limb. And so when you're in the boat and you're going through a storm, just make sure that you're putting your faith in the right place. Grab Jesus' hand. Even if you're wondering, will he save me? He will. He will. So two, this story reveals a subtle but really important fact about Jesus, and it's this. If If you look at this story, this is what you have to conclude. Jesus gets to define what is dangerous, not us. He's the ultimate authority on what is dangerous, not us. I want you to think, do you really think that the storm was a surprise to Jesus? Did he say, whoa, if I knew that was coming, I would never have sent y'all and us across the lake. No, he knew that Jesus knew very well that storm was going to come up. He led the disciples right into it. Why? To show them something really important, and that is he gets to define what is dangerous. You think being in a boat, in a storm, with Jesus right there with you is dangerous? That's not what is dangerous. The safest place you can be is with with Jesus. That's the safest place you can be is with Jesus. What is dangerous then? Well, having a small view of Jesus, that is dangerous. The small view that would say Jesus... I'm not quite sure what good you are because it seems like I'm going through a storm and you're doing nothing. That, that's dangerous. That's dangerous. I'm just through this whole religion thing because you're not doing what I want you to do, Jesus. That's dangerous. You want to be in the boat with Jesus. Having a small view of Jesus that says, Jesus, I... I don't really trust to get in the boat with you. I'd rather play it safe here on the shore. That's even dangerous. The safest place to be is with Jesus in the boat. He gets to define what is really dangerous. And and here's why you want to be in the boat with Jesus. It's for this reason. It is when you are in the boat with him that you learn who Jesus is. That's where the life lesson takes place about who Jesus is 
is in the storm. It's in the, the boat where we learn that he is the powerful, almighty God with us. And we learn that life isn't about Jesus making things easy for us and helping things to go the way that we want them to go. That's what we learn in the storm. We learn that Jesus has a much bigger purpose for us than that. And sometimes when you're in the boat with Jesus, sometimes when a storm comes up, he will say, calm, and and everything will grow calm immediately, and sometimes not. Sometimes he lets us ride out the storm because our life is not about our own plans. Our life is about Jesus' plans for us. And when he goes through the storm with us, he can mature us into the people that he wants us to be. I mean, you want to be in the boat with Jesus. Jesus asked the disciples, do you still have no faith? Do you think it is an accident that you are going through the storm? No, no, not, not a chance that this is an accident. Jesus is in the boat with you, and you do not have to be afraid. This is from uh, the, uh, the, the prophet Isaiah, what God says in chapter 43, verse 2. He says, when you pass through the waters, here's the promise, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, not the nice rivers you go tubing on, but the torrential rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. I will be with you. In the boat, in the storm, I will be with you. So there comes a point in life when you must answer the question, am I going to go with Jesus? Or am I going to play it safe? Am I going to get in the boat and allow him to show me who he really is? Or am I going to play it safe? And if you have not said yes to getting in the boat with Jesus, I hope you will today. And and you may be saying, "I, I want to. I really want to. I believe Jesus is powerful. But I kind of go back to that question, does Jesus really care? Does he care for me? Listen, this is the third point that this story reveals about Jesus. Yes, Jesus cares about you. I think I could get in that boat with Jesus if I knew that he cares. Jesus cares. So let's go back to the first thing the disciples say to Jesus in verse 38 when they say, don't you care? And Jesus' response was a way of saying, let me show you just how much I really do care. In our storms, as we said, sometimes Jesus calms them quickly. Sometimes he lets us ride them out. But always Jesus is right there with us because he cares. How do we know that he cares? A few years ago, I remember a dear old woman, a friend of mine, was having surgery. Um, Fairly significant surgery. And the surgery was about noon, one in the afternoon, and I visited her the morning of to, to pray with her before the surgery. And, you know, you have surgery, you can't eat. 
you know, a day or so or 24 hours, whatever, 12 hours before the surgery. So it had been since 8 p.m. or so the night before that she had eaten. So she was pretty hungry. And at this point, uh, quite honestly, I was on a diet. So I was not eating that morning either. And I, I wanted to say something sweet to her. Um, and I said this very corny thing. I said, Anne, I want you to know that I'm fasting with you. I'm fasting with you. And she thought that was just really sweet because it demonstrated that I care for her, that I was willing to experience what she was experiencing. That's a pretty small, corny way for me to demonstrate that and tell her about that. But when someone is willing to go through what you are going through, it demonstrates, I care. I care. We can know that Jesus cares for us because He chose to know exactly, He chose to know exactly what we are going through. Because there was one time when Jesus went through the ultimate storm, except He went through it all by Himself. At the end of His Gospel, Mark says that when Jesus was dying on the cross, he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And the word for, for cries out that Mark uses, it's, it's, it's the word that means urgently crying out in distress because you, you desperately need a response, except this time Jesus did not receive a response. In that moment, his suffering was greater than we could ever imagine because even God has tur- had turned his back on Jesus. He was all alone in the boat as all of the weight of our sin was piled on top of him and in that moment the boat went down with Jesus in it. At that moment. He chose to go through that. He chose to go through that so that we would know he is always with us, that he cares about us. We are never in the boat alone. We can go through storms, but we cannot conclude it's because Jesus doesn't care. We can know that Jesus cares deeply. He might always protect us from the storm. He will ride out the storm with us because He cares. We ask Jesus, don't you care? And He says, let me show you. Let me show you how much I care. And He reminds us that He died on the cross so that we will know that we are never alone. So this morning, are you going through a storm Remember those three things, that Jesus is really powerful. He is really powerful. And he gets to define what is dangerous. And my friends, being in the boat, in the storm, with Jesus right there with you, that is not dangerous. That's the safest place you can be. And you have nothing to fear. And remember that Jesus cares. He cares about you. Let's pray. Almighty God, our Lord and Savior Jesus, we thank you that you control the winds and the waves. We thank you that the elements themselves, they bow down to you. They, they obey your command. Lord, this morning, you give us a command, and that command is do not be afraid, and we pray that we would obey that command, that, that we would trust so deeply in your love for us. We would trust so deeply in your compassion, your care for us, that we would not be afraid, that we would trust you in the storm. And Lord, 
Will you change us this morning? Will you, will you give us that holy fear of your power and your presence? Always comforting us, but always also keeping us in awe of your strength and your power and your might and who you are. Help us to bow our knees before you this morning and say, we, Lord, belong to you, the Lord who died to save us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.